0: It is, well, uh, it's um, all the years, between 1950 and 1959. My name is Rance Collins. I'm with my color commentator, Sam Erdahl. Hello, hello, hello. Um, And we are about to announce not the best picture of any particular year or the ceremony of any particular year. We're going to announce how we rank the 10 Best Picture winners during the 1950s.
1: Yes, this is this is so fun. This is like my bread and butter. I love ranking anything, but movies just happens to be my favorite thing to rank. Um, and I wanted to say something to you, Rance. I think in our last episode, you made a comment about how, long these movies have been in the 1950s uh so i went back and i added up all the running times and guess what if you watched all 10 of these movies back to back it would take you one day
0: right around 24 hours well look at that i mean that means that they they average as being over two hours each right oh boy do they (laughs) (laughs) um i think the 60s might actually be worse though yeah, you know. I think the
1: sixties are really long as well. Yes, they are.
0: Um, I I lost my train of thought, Sam. I was about to say something really intelligent, mm. so now you say something smart, and then I'll, I will. Yeah. Um, to piggyback off of train, let's start with the number ten
1: spot. I can tell you what my number ten spot is. It is the greatest show on earth. Well, wouldn't you know it, Sam? That's also my number ten. Tell me why it's yours. You know, I had a pretty good feeling you were going to agree with that spot. Uh, the Greatest Show on Earth just, oh my God. I mean, to be very honest with you, this might be my least favorite best picture movie so far out of any of them. I know I ranked the Broadway Melody of 1929, I think last time, as like my least favorite. But there's just something about The Greatest Show on Earth that just has zero, zero appeal to me. It's boring. It's long. It's... It's not really even a movie. There's like almost no plot. It's almost like a poorly put together documentary.
0: What do you think? Oh, I absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> and I ranked it as my bottom, if you'll remember, back when we did the 25th anniversary special. And um, I said it was the worst one. Although we didn't do rankings in that episode. I did say it was the worst uh, Best Picture winner. And I stand by that 100%. I think that it... Is absolutely unacceptable that a movie that was as poorly um, plotted and acted um, and written uh, won Best Picture that late in the game, particularly when it's um, when the next year's movie is so superior to it. When movies, I mean, like, there's so many great Best Picture winners in. This era, it's just perplexing to me that this movie won, especially when it's up against movies like High Noon and uh, Singing the Rain that wasn't nominated. Um, This is this is unacceptable. It is completely
1: here, completely unacceptable. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you said it. There's no plot to this movie. The acting is embarrassing. It's yeah, it is a smudge on the Academy's record for sure. Uh, let's keep it rolling.
0: Rance, what do you put in your number nine spot? Um, Okay, I am going with, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is yours as well, um, Around the World in 80 Days. (laughs) hundred percent,
1: yes. That is what I put for number nine as well. All right, why do you rank this movie so low?
0: Um, Okay, Around the World in 80 Days has, unlike... greatest show on earth. I will say there are, there is something, um, some level of merit to it just because it is such an impressive looking production. Um, And it does have a kaleidoscope of cameos from various stars. And that is super, super fun. But um, it's it's not, it is not engaging enough to be three hours long. Um, It has an offensive Well, not. I don't know if offensive is I mean it's offensive in that Shirley MacLaine is not Indian and so she should not be playing an Indian princess in fact she's about as pale as it gets it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to have her playing that part and I find that uh, I mean like in a movie that has so many people playing uh, so many people representative of the races they actually are why is this lead role played by a white girl is beyond me. Um, And there is also an offensive scene with uh, Native Americans that is inappropriate. Um, And uh, in general, it's not necessarily a bad movie, but it is only a spectacle, and it does not belong as a best picture. Yes,
1: 100%. And no, you're absolutely correct. It's offensive. It's wildly offensive, especially looking at it through um, our modern eyes and through a modern lens. Yeah, there's just not a whole lot to this movie. Uh, In comparison to Greatest Show, this, you know, Around the World in 80 Days may have a little bit more of a plot, but like we're talking just hanging by a thread here holding this movie together. And yes, it does not merit Um, it's over three hour long running time. It's just, yeah, the movie is, it is a challenge, challenge to get through. And the only redeeming quality I agree with you, the cinematography is pretty. It's a very pretty movie to look at. Like if you were to kind of pull out some screenshots and blow up some photos from this movie, they would hang very well on your wall. But that doesn't make for a very engrossing movie.
0: No, no, no. It's... Beautiful in many, uh, the shots are beautiful in many circumstances, but it's not a Best picture winner. It shouldn't beautiful be Beautiful
1: on the outside, pretty shallow on the inside. Let's head over to our number eight spot. I put An American
0: in Paris. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> um, this is where we differ. I had a uh, feeling. <laughs> although I also put a musical directed by Vincent Minnelli. the other one tell me why tell me why an american paris is where it is for you
1: well i think at this point it's really no secret how much i really just don't vibe with musicals of the 1950s particularly in american in paris i just don't think dance is thrilling or interesting on the screen uh i just it it slows it it halts the plot is what it does And uh, any kind of momentum the film was building toward those final, oh, 30 minutes or so, for me personally, it just stops in its place. And yeah, I think the music is boring. I don't really uh, um, identify with it or I don't really I'm not really interested in the music. I think it fits weird with the plot. And uh, yeah, again, the plot, it's a simple love triangle. And it's again, it's not enough to keep the movie uh, moving
0: forward. Well, while I while I find your assessment wonderful, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, that was um, awful. <laughs> I I'm gonna I'll talk about American Paris in a second. Gigi, um, I um similarly just don't really care for. I know that you liked it more than I do, and we'll talk about your assessment soon. But um, I um I think that the plot particularly the opening of the plot, is so badly dated. Uh, thank heaven for little girls. There's lots of cringy moments there with Marie Chevalier. Um, and while there are some elements of the plot that are fun, um, and some scenes that are fun, and I certainly liked it more this time than the first time I watched it, it still, to me, is just a decadent, piece of fluff um that has some badly dated moments and has no business being a best picture winner love that love that (laughs) go off i love that yeah (laughs) that's just my opinion
1: so that is valid i totally understand that all right what do you have in your number seven spot
0: ben-hur
1: as do i ben-hur is also number seven for me all right tell me your feelings on ben-hur
0: what if it be? What if the Vincent Manelli musicals are the only thing we really have different on our list?
1: You know what? I actually Possible. wouldn't be surprised. I feel like Possible. my top five are pretty um, easy to rank.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So Ben Hur um, is a bloated movie um, that has some very compelling scenes. That's dragged down by a performance that should not have won an Oscar for Charlton Heston, and a supporting actor performance that should not have won an Oscar on top of that. um, The spectacle of it is wonderful. I think William Wyler does do a pretty solid job directing the film. Uh, The scenes with Jesus are honestly very effective. And and, um, the ending is very strong. Um, The music's amazing. It is not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that we have some other epics that we can compare this to from that period, and those epics uh, show us how you do Ben-Hur better. Oh, yeah, 100%. Does that percent. make sense?
1: It makes total um, sense,
0: yes. Yes, and better would, be, would mean cutting it by a half hour or so. Better would mean... Um, At least a half hour. I think that I I can see this movie being a three-hour film, and I don't think that's necessarily bad. But the fact that it's nearly four hours, you feel it. There's not—I don't think that there's enough to do that. And yet, weirdly, they skip over some stuff plot-wise in development that um, I think would have been really necessary. But um, regardless, uh, the Tale of Christ part of Ben-Hur, or as I like to call it, Forrest Gump-Ben-Hur— Forrest Gump Jesus, Jesus, as I meant to say it, Um, uh, is very strong, and I'm good with it being in the middle of the pack.
1: Yeah, everything you said, I totally agree with. This one kind of hurt me a little bit just because I love William Wyler so, so, so much. But as you said, I don't think William Wyler was the problem here. I just kept going back to how much... I did not like Charlton Heston's performance. And since he's the central character and the one you're watching on screen for almost four hours, he has to keep you going. He has to keep you engaged. And there are just long stretches of time where he does not. And I really think he hurts this movie quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, And I agree with you also on the supporting actor. That's also kind of an embarrassing smudge as well. If we talked about, On our episode from last week. But yeah, yeah, this movie, I I agree with you. It is very middle of the road, you know, which is bizarre because it is one of the most honored movies in Academy history. It is tied for the record with 11 Oscar wins. Again, a few of those I think you and I can both agree with, but many of those 11 wins I don't agree with.
0: No, all the technical awards it got, I'm totally on board with. But otherwise um what about your um your number six
1: so my number six is where i put Gigi. i figured <laughs> yes and what's really funny um i actually put Gigi over ben hur simply for runtime <laughs> 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 the fact that i could probably sit down and watch Gigi again before i would sit down and watch ben hur again uh-huh. um i'll just okay i'll talk about my Gigi, then you can tell me your number six actually what was your number six
0: uh, my number six will be An American in Paris.
1: Okay, so we did just switch those two around. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, everything you said about Gigi, I totally understand. I think I ranked it higher than An American in Paris. Just because I was surprised by how much I didn't hate Gigi. That sounds really negative, but like I kind of went into it expecting not to like it since it was another Vincent Minnelli film. But I was actually shocked by how much I did like large portions of this movie. Yes, I think a lot of it is dated, especially that first song, as you mentioned. Uh, But there is something so wonderfully exuberant and colorful and, dare I say, youthful about this movie. And I'm saying that in not a creepy way, but in, like, an energy way. Like, it just kind of... It was very alive, if you will. Yes, I can
0: see what you're saying there. I, um... I think that part of what puts American in Paris over it for me is that it's even shorter than Gigi. Um, and, fair point, fair um, point. And I personally, I know that you said you don't love the score. I like the score for An American in Paris a lot more. And I also get a lot more joy out of watching Gene Kelly uh, and Gene Kelly's butt. And, um, <laughs> specifically, specifically. <laughs> and uh, And so I think for me that this was... I give it I give it to an American in Paris here just because I could rewatch that before I could rewatch Gigi, but these bottom five movies in general the fifties is a weird almost every other year situation where um you have like one that you're like oh yeah and then the next year it's like what
1: yes. <laughs> Yes. No. Yeah. It is almost like every other word. It's like, I understand classic. What the heck is that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very yeah.
0: strange decade. And I think that I think that uh, I think the bottom half of this list, which, is, which isn't which isn't every it's almost every other year with like a little bit of exception. Yeah. Um, but uh, it is uh, it is a little WTF. Um, yes
1: no agreed and i will say too on my these top five now that we're going to list off these are five phenomenal
0: movies so i, I think totally what you're getting at here yeah is that this is a preference situation now because yeah, these are I five so. movies I, I think we can both agree the five movies we we're about to list all very much deserve their awards definitely okay. absolutely yeah
1: all right so, coming in at number
0: five what do you have rance oh is it my turn um uh, I have the Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, so do I. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I think this is another like comes down to preference situation for me. Oh, uh, I think so too. Yeah. Because I um, I I don't know if it's necessarily better than some of the other movies I have listed under this, but um, or over this is how I should say that. Um, but uh. I think just because it's it's the longest of what we have left, so I'm not going to sit down and re it, it's the most um, testosterone of the ones we have left. Um, and this, those two things are not things I gravitate towards in movies. Um, but it is a near-perfect film. So,
1: Yeah, nope. everything you just said makes perfect... Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, it is a, a really epic grand movie but again yeah i think the runtime kind of hurts a little bit only because i feel like there are certain passages of this film that don't need to be in there um and that's yeah i think that's just getting incredibly nitpicky about the film because performance
0: wise directorial wise it's flawless yeah yeah totally this is again we're getting down to nitpicks here uh Mm -hmm. what about number four what's your number four
1: Number four. This one hurt my soul a little bit, but I put Marty at number four. So did I. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I,
0: this may end up working out exactly as I'm thinking it's going to.
1: I think um, it wouldn't is it be
0: cute. funny if we only had two movies switched? That um, would be funny. Uh, go ahead. Tell me what you think about Marty. Uh, I
1: love Marty so, so, so much. This movie is just so endearing and so sweet and like doesn't have a mean bone in its body you just you you root for everyone you know it's it's a it is my idea of like what a perfect movie should offer which is just an intimate character study um a slice of life you know on this person's um goings abouts of a day and you know you want you want him to find happiness and between him and Betsy Blair I just think they're such a sweet and also might i say they're also an incredibly realistic portrayal of a couple you know like it's very naturalistic what they're doing here and i think a lot of that is credit to um the
0: screenplay by patty chayefsky i think his screenplay for this is phenomenal i i love patty patty chayefsky and um and this movie is just it's just so slice of life and wonderful and um uh, one of our, our uh, listeners, a friend of mine, Carmine, hi, Carmine, um, he uh, told me that he uh, ended up watching this after uh, we, after listening to our episode, and he just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, oh, my gosh, that so, makes me so happy. Yay. So, so good. So good. Yes. Carmine's maybe our most loyal listener. So. Uh, oh, my gosh. Outside hello, of, Carmine. Hi, Carmine. This is your <laughs> shout out. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also, I just love, um, I love that it only takes place over uh, two different days, and um, the ending is not a real resolution, it's just a step. And I like that 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 feels more true to life to me than, than anything else. It's just very... Um, It's just very different, Mm -hmm. you know? It is. a much smaller movie than any of the other ones on the list, and it it just feels like a hug.
1: Oh, that's so good. It does feel like a hug. No, but you're absolutely right. Like, compared to even the nine other movies that won Best Picture this year, Marty stands apart from the other nine just in terms of what it is. It's so different from the other films, you know what I mean? And I think that's really why it stands out. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: All right, so um, that uh, I guess is my turn, right? Do yes, the top it? three, Rance. What is your number three movie? I um, I'm rolling on the beach, and from here to eternity.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'll join you. I will join you on the beach. My number three is from here to eternity
0: as well. Yes, 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 yes. All right, tell me about it. Um, I, from here to eternity is also. I mean, like all these, all all five of these movies in the top five it's a it's it's a perfect film it um has such a great collection of performances when you talk about when you talk about acting um the the top the the lead five actors um this is the most i i've um i actually i, I there's another movie the burke lancaster i like uh, his performance even more that's coming up but um but Burt Lancaster I think is the best cast that we've seen him in the 50s right here um his steamy chemistry with Deborah Carr is the stuff of legend she's fantastic um Montgomery Clift gives maybe his best performance in the film which I mean debatable place in the sun's also a great performance but this is one of his best performances of his best Frank Sinatra definitely gets his best performance i would say in this movie And um, and then Donna Reed is just uh, such a so wonderful in the film and so compelling. Um, So you have this amazing ensemble. You have such tight direction from Fred Zinneman. And um, and there's this looming um, thing, the whole the whole movie. That's this um, incident in our history that we all know so much about that we get to see played out in such a wonderful impactful emotional way it is um it is uh it is it is it's great it's really great
1: yeah I totally agree with you I think what you're what you're getting there at the end you know with this the background of this movie taking place you know the days before Pearl Harbor I think that just sets the atmosphere for this movie so well like there's always some kind of uh, anxiety and melodrama kind of just bubbling under the surface here. And then in the end, when it's revealed that this is happening on Pearl Harbor, everything just makes sense. And you, you know, it's almost like cannons go, out. well, literally. You know what I mean? And it's just like this epic climax to another slice of life movie, very similar to Marty, where it's, you know, you're just following characters in their day to day lives, kind of little vignettes of what it's like to be on this army base, and then boom, yeah. literal chaos. And it's it's very effective. And I agree with you. Yeah, I feel like, me personally, um, I've kind of given Burt Lancaster a lot of shit for his movies in the 1950s because I don't honestly think he's that great in a lot of them, but you're absolutely right. He is very, very good in From Here to Eternity. And I would agree as well. This, in my opinion, should have been Montgomery Clift's Oscar. Uh, I mean, his bugling scene is heartbreaking and it's 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 always effective and I've seen this movie a lot and every time it does make me cry so
0: well done the only uh it also is the movie in in this decade I think we get the most uh, consistent always on screen eye candy
1: oh yes uh,
0: oh yes with the possible exception of Cornell Wilde's performance in The Greatest Show on Earth which again I didn't mention earlier is the only recommendation for the film The prettiness of Bert and Monty is. um, It's It's just hard to pass up, right? It's good. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's good. (laughs) Okie
1: dokie. All um, Number two in Silver Place. just want to say it at the same time, I think. Yeah, ready? Three, two, two. one. On the the waterfront. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) i was going to say, I'm pretty sure number one is what it is.
0: I mean, on like the there's only front. one movie left, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> unless you just like went left field and said like I'm gonna choose a different decade.
1: You know, on the waterfront, this okay, this was incredibly close. I love On the Waterfront so much. Talk about performances just across the board. Everything is so natural. I mean, this is this is Marlon Brando's, you know, just greatest performance. Yes, and then you talk about the supporting players too. I mean, take your pick. They're all there. Carl Malden, Rod Steiger, Lee J. Cobbies are all, you know, actors just at the top yeah. of their game. You have a great debut performance from Eva Marie Saint. Yeah. And then you tie that all in with the messaging coming across and the drama behind the scenes between Eli Kazan uh, and McCarthyism. Like, it's just, it is, I think, a perfect representation of what Hollywood went through in the
0: 1950s and the art that came out because of it. I. I completely agree. It does feel like a culmination movie and the in the uh, itchings etchings of um, of uh, the actor studio coming into the fold during the 50s and uh Elia Kazan being one of the directors who kind of um, embraced that that set of performers and um, and this movie just feels full of method if that makes any sense from the way that it's filmed to the way that they act. There's something so emotional about on the waterfront where everything is just bubbling on the surface, the whole movie. There's such an energy to it that I think is very unique to it as a film and not something that I know. I don't know if that's ever been recorded again. It's just like the whole cast, uh, the direction, the cinematography, everything about it feels like uh, like one of those recalled memories that they would have you use to to create the scene. Oh, it yeah. feels like it's coming from the back of your consciousness and just spilling out. and um and everything in it's so stark and interesting and and it's it's a it, it's redundant to call it a, a great movie. It's been honored over and over and over again, but um, there's a reason.
1: oh, absolutely. There is definitely a reason. Uh, And there's really only one movie (laughs) that can, in my opinion, I think in both of our opinions, um, beat out on the waterfront. And that is our number one spot, which
0: is... All About about Eve. Eve. It's always about Eve. (laughs) It is always about Eve. All About Eve is um, one of my, like, ten favorite movies of all time. Um, It has... What I think is the best script in any movie ever. Uh, the screenplay by Joseph L. Mankiewicz is uh, so crackerjack. Like it, um, it, it, it pops the whole way through with dialogue that is just delicious, and you wish you could have the opportunity to spit out of your mouth because I, I wish that I could be as smart as the people are in this movie. Um, but at the same time, it, it feels so um, intimate and real. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, like you have you have what's ultimately kind of a small story involving this small coll- ensemble of characters of how one person affects the life of basically four other people. Um, it's four, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The two couples. Yep. And then George Sanders is like the observer and Thelma Ritter's kind of there. Oh yeah. And, um, but you, you watch as Eve comes in and upends uh, two relationships, um, and totally takes this, what I think may be, it, it's tough to, to call it this, um, I think Betty Davis gives the best leading female performance of the 1950s. And it's a shame that she didn't win for this movie, because this, this performance, this part, feels like a culmination of everything she had done up until that point. Um, and every ounce of her power as an actress went into creating this full-bodied person that is so larger than life and yet so relatable and down to earth in the small moments where she takes off the facade and she's not Margot Channing and she's you know whoever Margot Channing was before she became Margot Channing and it's just so fully realized a performance and it's surrounded by performances that are equally interesting um you don't there's nobody there's not a bad character in the bunch even lloyd who you don't even pay attention to in the movie i don't know the actor's name off the yeah top i don't me either actually uh celeste holmes hus- husband in the movie yeah, um, I got uh you're like you are interested in everything that's happening at every moment and it's because of the script the strength of the performances uh the movie is two and a half hours long but it justifies its length by the fact that Joseph L. Mankiewicz gives the characters room to breathe so that we can get to know them and really start to feel for them. And all of that makes the twist in the film, which I mean, the twist is probably the most famous part of the movie. um, And a lot of people probably know it through osmosis, even if they don't, even if they haven't seen it, but, you know, Eve ends up being a backstabber basically. Um, And, It makes it so effective because you do spend, I'd say, a good two hours of the movie wondering just how pure or dastardly Eve's motivations are. And I don't think that there are many greater on-screen moments than the moment where you realize full stop that Eve is evil. And that is the moment in the bathroom of the restaurant where she is talking to uh, Celeste. Well, Karen is the name of the character. Um, And she convinces her to do something for her. And then as, (laughs) as Karen stands up, she grabs her hand, looks up at her and it's, pure evil as she starts to blackmail her and it is one of my favorite moments on films film because it's so delicious and the best part about it is that joseph l mankowitz doesn't use it to create some new twist in the movie he only uses it to describe how awful eve is he then lets the friendships of the two couples overtake whatever blackmail she might have tried and allows um, and allows the them to be happy instead of letting them be spurred on by the drama. Its only purpose in that scene is to is to finally reveal to us just how bad Eve is.
1: Yes, that is very very true. That is a great scene in the bathroom. Absolutely, uh, everything you said on point on point. This movie, God, this movie just makes me so horny. It's so good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I could watch this. Do you show this to your tricks? Is this how you get (laughs) (laughs) them to have playing when they walk in? Absolutely. (laughs) This movie's so great. And I agree with you. This is Betty Davis's shining moment on screen. I totally agree. It's it is so tragic and so sad that this wasn't her third Oscar. It's it it should have been. been. Just hands down should have been. But everything this movie won. It deserves. Um, as with what you said, this has all about Eve has been in my top ten movies of all time for a very long time. Actually, it's it's consistently making my top ten. Even as I, you know, we watch new movies and stuff, and I kind of rearrange stuff or bring new movies into my top ten. All about Eve is always in there, just because of the script, the performances, everything about it. It's like the greatest, you know, backstage movie ever, ever made. It's like the greatest movie about acting. You know, what I mean, like, ever made about actors. About just, actors, yeah. Yes, about, about actors. It doesn't, like, stereotype actors. It makes yeah. them fully dimensional. Like yeah. you were saying with, with Margot, you know, you she is this very kind of bombastic, um, straightforward, tell-it-like-it-is girl. But we also see, as you said, the other side of Margot, the, the more neurotic side or even the more... Um, the side of her that gets a little deep, you know, you see the the sadness there, she does have insecurities, it's not always um, she is sometimes just putting on a strong face, and you see those different sides of all of the characters which is what I think makes this movie such a success, and as you said so relatable
0: Well, I mean, you know, the two scenes that I think of off the top of my head this is just all about 1950 part 2 um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the two scenes off the top of my head. Uh, first of all, at towards the end of Bill's birthday party, when she's super, super drunk, and she's making the piano player play the same song over and over again. Um, and she's talking about it's um, time to view the body, or whatever the line is. Um, and also, actually, at the beginning of Bill's birthday party, whenever she spins the whole scene you know, checking to make sure everything's ready for the party. And she keeps going back to the the jar of candy. And she's debating about whether or not... It's the internal thing of, should I eat the candy? Should I not eat the the candy? And finally, she gets so angry, she just eats it. And that's, like, that's such a great bit of business. I love that. And then the scene, of course, uh, when the car is broken down... Um, where she talks about uh, the importance of being a woman or whatever the 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 speech is and it's just a head- on shot of her looking off into the distance, giving this amazing monologue and killing it.
1: yeah, it's Betty Davis doing what she does best. I agree yeah. that party scene is so great. Also <laughs> I what I think is wonderful when you're talking about filling in the moments with business, Betty Davis when she, is upstairs getting dressed for the party and then she's told that he um bill that bill has arrived but bill didn't tell her you know what i mean she he's down there with eve she leaves her room and you see her run down the stairs but when she gets to the bottom two stairs she stops and then coolly walks down the last because while yes she's in a hurry to get down there to make sure eve isn't you know working working her way to her man um she doesn't want to show that to them she wants to be cool and she wants to be collected but that's not what's actually underneath you know it's it's genius every moment of this movie has something you can nibble on and it's just perfect a
0: milkshake a milkshake
1: oh, God, <laughs> the best oscar give her an oscar <laughs> give her
0: all the oscars well the good news is uh when we get into the 60s we get one last really big movie to talk about Betty Davis with um, thank God and perhaps the most competitive year for best actress ever. So it is definitely up there. Yes. And that's going to be you,
1: starting very soon. We're going into the 1960s very, very soon.
0: What are um, you, can ahead. I just ask what you're looking forward to in the 1960s? What, what, what year do you think you're most looking forward to?
1: Okay. That's a good question. Uh, the apartment is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. And I'm very excited to discuss that movie. Uh, and then I'm excited to get into the discussion of 1966, which has another one of my favorite movies. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, oh. which did not win Best Picture. Not. Um, A Man for All Seasons did, which I haven't seen. So I'm curious to see that movie and compare it to Virginia Woolf. What about you? Um,
0: i m- one of my like top five favorite movies of all time one best picture in the 1960s, um, and it's uh, West Side Story, um, which I have seen, I'll probably repeat this fact, but I have seen it 10 times in a movie theater. Wow, I love that. (laughs) I love that. Including several times in 70mm, and I am absolutely obsessed with it on so many levels, and if you try to levy any criticism towards it, I'm just warning you in advance; it won't go well for you. Oh, I can't um, wait. Um, I also um, uh, really, really. I'm looking forward to '62 because the Best Actress race is so so interesting and competitive. Um, but I um, also uh, am really looking forward to 1967, which I think is. Um, which is one of those pivotal years in terms of the tone of the movies that were being produced. And it ends up, um, there are four very interesting Best Picture nominees, and then one that's a a WTF, because it's like, what is this movie doing here? And I think you probably know which movie I'm talking about. Oh, Um, yes. (laughs) But meanwhile, so much of the rest of the movies that were nominated, including the movie that won in 1967 are dealing with race relations and really uh, topics that are so pertinent uh, at the time. And um, I'm really looking forward to discussing the cultural movement that's represented by that year. Okay, so um, we will be with you guys next week as we begin our discussion of the year 1960.